The opinions expressed in the following program are provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The following is sponsored content. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Hello, Dan. How was your Super Bowl? Super Bowl was fun. You know, I drink too much, I eat, uh, overeat, uh, but we had a great time as usual because nice. it's a, just a great excuse to get together. Not that we need one. The ads were pretty impressive, too. Uh, maybe not as hot as most years, but uh, I definitely like the Budweiser ads. Um, heart-wrenching. They went for some of the heart-wrenching, you know. Yeah. The, Squarespace the human, was pretty funny. The human side of the technology. I, mm -hmm. I think that uh, was a bit of a theme this year. Are people even... Is it worth it for... Do you think the investment in, in some of these Super Bowl ads? I mean, people are paying like tens of millions of dollars for 30 seconds. It's... it's. I think it's $5.6 million for 30 seconds. Plus, you have to produce it. Plus, whatever, whenever you're going to air it elsewhere. Because once you have the great commercial, you want to keep airing it. So there's no question. Is it somebody must have done the calculation somewhere that there is a return? How do you measure visibility alone? Because you know, how do you? You can't really say, well, they went to buy more Google this or Amazon that or Budweiser this just because of a commercial. Hmm. That being said, there is a, there are budgets for these big companies. I mean, I, I think back to Masterlock. Masterlock, one of that first, you know, they got such great PR where they spent whatever it was that commercial where there's a a bullet, a gunshot to a to a lock. This is a good thirty years ago, maybe before your time, Dan. <laughs> like maybe before lock. your time. But they they threw their entire annual marketing budget into mm. one thirty second commercial, and it just it was notoriety. Just the the visibility that they got after that. Listen, I'm still talking about it today. So it's been impressive. Some it it was it was quite something. So there was a lot of emotional advertising, and um, one thing that I liked was I, one of my favorite ones was the Golden Retriever, which was kind of an ad that was donated by a company mm -hmm. uh, to benefit a um, like an animal uh, research center in the states. I thought that was kind of interesting because that to me is focusing in on millennials and you know doing some good with the time that you buy on Super Bowl. Well, and and again, it's 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 a little bit about give back. It's a little bit about you know pulling at the heartstrings, finding the reason why. Why? Now, I spent most of the game watching a Canadian feed, so, you know, I didn't maybe catch all the commercials because I'm, you know, true hard Canadian, and the fact that I was a little lazy and didn't go online for them. All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, first, entrepreneur question of the week. Some advice, uh, typically for me or other young entrepreneurs. Um, one thing that I spoke to uh, with about, uh, about with another entrepreneur today was um, was the January sort of jitters. Everyone is very excited in January about doing uh, marketing and about business development and about expanding their business. And sometimes once you settle into February, though that excitement goes away a little bit. How do you follow up and how do you how do you close? You know, what are your what's your advice to uh, to who are trying to grow their business and who need to, uh, to to sort of make people follow through on some of that excitement. I think it really depends on what service or product that you're offering. That being said, there's that fine line of being persistent and somewhat helpful to annoying and get out of my face. Mm. Uh, I would say, and I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule, uh, I would say, you know, probably three or four times over a period of a few months, uh, you know, beyond which you might start to be a little annoying. 
But I think the important part is, what are you giving? We, we've spoken a lot about giving to get. Uh, and I think this is no different. You want to close something, you know, you might have a better chance if you give a little bit so that they see what you can offer so you can get the whole package. And you might have a plan of attack saying, I know I got to give three, four things. Don't give all three, four things at once. Hmm. Have another reason when you're, when you want to follow up again. Oh, and by the way, there's this other service and here's an example of what we did elsewhere. Could be for you and move on. And then a month later, a few weeks later, days later, however long that you deem appropriate, it's here's another, you know, just following up, you know, and here's another tidbit. Again, it's so business specific and so service and product specific, you don't know. But if you, if you always find that other reason to, to push ahead, it's not just, Hey, I'm following up my last email. Hey, I'm following up my my last email. Make it that you're thinking of them. Hey, I'm, I am following my last email, but I was thinking about it. And maybe there's this other aspect or avenue or path that, you know, you can think of or that we can help with. Helpful. Thank you. I like the, the three or four times part because following up only once to me has, has been my limit. I feel like if I go more than once, I'm bugging people and I feel very insecure about that. No, I, I think more than once is perfectly fine. But again, try and find a different reason or a slightly different angle versus just, hey, see my email below following mm. up. Okay, some uh, news and notes now um, around uh, business websites and so forth. Before, by the way, we get to our guest, which is uh, Milliam, uh, William of Mechasis, uh, William St. Pierre. And this is a kind of an interesting product, a very new company. They do a laser projection system for the construction industry. So we'll talk to William about that uh, and his group of young entrepreneurs in a little while. Uh, but first, uh, this news story now from Inc.com on phishing. That's P-H-I-S-H. Uh, this is, uh, you know... Yeah, we're not going out for... to the lake and... And, no, and that's that's really good. No. Uh, this is phishing. So uh, basically, people baiting you into uh, into a scam. So hey, click here and you'll get free money. You know that that's a phishing scam. It, it is, and and you know people people are getting really good at it. Uh, you know, it's it's you know if the if your email address Dan is uh, Dan Delmar at cjd.com, it's not the actual address. People are just an example, and. Uh, you know, and, and somebody, you know, your boss or somebody from your, you know, your, your team says, Hey, Dan, you know, you're in the accounting department. Can you just make sure that these funds are transferred to X? And it looks like a basic normal transaction, but it's really not coming from a .com. It's coming from a .co hmm. or it's coming from somewhere else that looks like it, but is a loft a little bit. So many phishing scams out there. Uh, I know, you know, definitely number, number of businesses that I'm aware of, they see it almost daily you got to be vigilant. You got to train, train your people. You got to, you got to, you got to really kind of drill it into your, into the, the, the team members heads or the, the staff's heads that, Hey, watch out, read your stuff carefully. Um, and cause not everybody's immune. Like it's, it's going to happen at some point. So really pay attention and do that. There've been a lot of, I mean, there, there was a few other articles, uh, Dan, that I was reading recently and all about, you know, cyber attacks and, and these phishing schemes, phishing, PH phishing schemes, uh, ransomware, it is everywhere. I mean, it, it truly is. And if you're not paying attention and you don't educate your people within your company to pay attention, you could get nailed. Now, the other thing, of course, uh, again, in these articles is this ransomware can't always protect against ransomware either because where's it coming from? Is it is it something that was planted a year ago and only finds its way out now? But 
you got to be wary. You got to try and put up your firewall, firewalls or whatever are technical. I'm not, a, I'm not a techie in this, um, but it's, it's just something that you really, really have to be aware of. Also, one thing that I, uh, I tell clients sometimes, and you know, it's, it sounds uh, weird, but if, if something looks even slightly off with an attachment or an email or a message, feel free to reply to the person, even if it is a good friend, and say, hey, did you mean to send me this thing? Are you sending me an attachment? And uh, I, I'm seeing that more and more now, and that's a safe approach. And, and maybe not reply. Maybe send a separate message if you're not sure. Text them or something saying, I got an email. Is, that, is it okay? So there's, there's lots of things. I think it actually comes upon one other aspect that's important. And I don't know if, I don't know if every entrepreneur really thinks about it. Cyber, cybersecurity insurance. You can insure against ransomware attacks. You can insure against downtime from cyber attacks. And if you haven't, and there, there, I won't go into all the insurance aspect. I don't, I'm not aware of it all, but if you haven't looked into it and you're prone to it and you could lose your data or something else more severe, check it out. And, uh, back up offline. Just keep, you keep your stuff backed up offline on a hard drive, not connected to the internet and make sure you have copies of those important files somewhere. Uh, yeah. Somewhere safe. Of course, test them. Don't forget to test them because you can do all the backups in the world. But if you don't test it to make sure you can restore and get everything back, well, then it might be useless afterwards. So test it, no question. And this has been Tech Corner with Dan and Josh. Who to thunk it? <laughs> William St. Pierre is up next of Mechasys, our profile this evening on today's entrepreneur. They make laser projection systems for the construction industry. Super interesting and probably saves uh, the construction uh, workers a ton of time. So we'll talk to William about his invention coming up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people by FL Montreal. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you, and our guest this evening is William St. Pierre of Mechasis. This is a laser laser projection system uh, meant for the construction industry. William, welcome to CJD. Hey, hi, everybody. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thanks. Uh, welcome, William. And I, I think, you know, as we, you know, just to, so people can get an idea, Dan has described it very eloquently, no doubt. But I'm sure you can you can add a little bit to... It's a little complicated. It's a little... Well, Dan, you're, you were the tech guy two minutes ago. <laughs> Why can't you understand it now? Um, so, we, so we'll turn to you, William, and ask you kind of uh, maybe the easiest or hardest question of the night is, what is Mechasys? What does Mechasys do? Yeah, that's a pretty good question because that's the basis of everything. <laughs> uh, so Mechasys is a construction technology company that is building a laser projector that displays construction plans in real scale on the job sites. So basically, we need to replace the process of using the chalk lines and tape measure to mark up your layout in real scale on the job site. And then you can install directly your materials over the laser lines, providing huge increase in accuracy at the end and increasing productivity as well. So where does the idea come from? And this is, this is, I guess, new. I don't know if there's any competition or it existed, but how did this idea pop out? I think at the, at the beginning, it's <laughs> a lot because we were a lot of stupid persons that like to create stuff. And at the beginning, Mechasys was not doing laser projection. Uh, Mechasys was a prefabricated wall company. So we were making prefabricated walls in aluminum, ultra lightweight panels, four feet by eight feet, so that our main focus was to increase productivity on the job sites. And uh, one of the great things that we've done is get to the job site and talk to customers. And that's really where we've learned something really important that changed the course of my life, was that um, 
one of the customer told us that his main problem was not to assemble walls more faster on the job site, but it was to know the location of those walls. Because if the walls are not located at the right spot, then it needs to do it again. So that the major increase in productivity will not be there. So we had, we had, this was a really important advice that we've heard. We came back with the office with the founders that, that we are with three founders in the company. And then we started to brainstorm about ideas and, and technology product to be able to solve that problem. So we really started with a problem and trying to find a technology solution to help our customers. So that's really why we, how we started. So using this to put up the walls as well, is it, is the comparison like it's like a, a laser leveler, but through for multi-dimensions? It's so far it's projecting in 2D only. Okay. We have ideas to, to put this into 3D. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we can, so the machine level itself, position itself in space and then project uh, construction plans directly. So it's just like if we'd be augmented reality, but without glasses. So you can clearly see what's happening and where to put your stuff. Now, when did, when did you start this? first process like when you first started mechasis regardless that you had to change or pivot when did that start so we founded a company two years ago and how long before you realized or you decided that whatever you the idea you started with is changing 100 <laughs> degrees or 180 degrees yeah so that was three months after the incorporation of the company but we've been working before the incorporation of the company so so about six, nine months in. Yeah, it's about six, six months. We, we pivoted. And I, I I would not say that we lost our time during the, those six months. We've learned a lot. Uh, so that was a really great process to learn things. And that's one of the biggest quality, best quality for an entrepreneur is to learn a lot and learn fast. So, so yeah, six months about. Now, it's, it, you know, some people, when they have an idea and they want to start with it, could be very stubborn and say, you know what? No, we started with this idea. It's really going to work. It's going to move forward. And then you, I mean, it was really so soon, you know, some people say, well, let's try it out for a year or two or three and see if it works after three months or, or six months. It's like, no, it's not working. We're going to pivot. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm sure not what you thought going in. Were all three of you, the three founders, were, you, were all of you on the same page? That was a tough decision. Like, I mean, it was not easy, like completely changing the product. And I remember that we had, we had a meeting and talking about like ideas of pivoting the company and, and there was so many potential problems with the walls, especially once you want to manufacture, if you want to scale that business in terms of geography, you need, you need, uh, factories, you need a lot of stuff. And then definitely building laser projector was harder. So <laughs> we decided to go that path, but definitely it was way much more value for the customers. So we kind of taking the decisions according to, to the customers. That's really our main focus. Did you, did you write a business plan? Um, we wrote a business plan, uh, but I think writing a business plan on Google Docs or uh, Words is not the best way. The best way is to put on a, a PowerPoint because your business plan would change so much in time and you'll be able to, 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 to play with it and really learn from customers so that you will need to change a lot. So yes, we've wrote 
many, many pans. Now we have one that is pretty good, <laughs> still on PowerPoint, which I think is the best. Now, because this is Tech Corner with Dan and Josh, yes. uh, are, do you use artificial intelligence or do you plan on using it? We use uh, artificial intelligence and there's different kind of ways to, to measure artificial intelligence. We use mostly images. So there is cameras on our system so that can detect a, an object, which we call the prism. It's an object to increase user experience. And we also have another kind of artificial intelligence, which is converting the construction plans in PDF and getting those data from the PDF into data that we can actually project information, know the composition of walls and everything. But I don't really target my, I, I don't really market my company as an uh, artificial intelligence company. We are a tool company. We're providing tool for the contractors and that's really where, where we, we're going. But yes, uh, we have artificial intelligence. And just a follow-up. So you you're basically load the PDF with the plans into the system and then it projects and that's it's just that easy? Yeah, well, on the back end, there's more complex. It's never just compl that easy, Dan. <laughs> Don't you know really from cool. a tech standpoint? Yeah. yeah, on the back end, there's a lot of complex stuff that I'm happens, sure. definitely. But what we do is take uh, PDF files and then we convert it into a file that the system can use, which we've baptize uh, the MSYS file. Okay. Uh, so that's where, uh, that's the language of, of the system. Very interesting. It, it must take various aspects. Like there, there are three of you, your three engineers that founded it. Mm -hmm. I guess you each have your discipline that really helps towards create this product because you need that, you have to understand construction, you have to understand, I guess, computers. <laughs> uh, you have to understand various aspects. Do each of you bring a different a different knowledge level that helps put this together? Yeah, and I think I've been lucky to to find a co-founders that I'm with right now. Uh, so in terms of founding team, we're three, and we have really different roles. Uh, so my, my partner, Charles, is the CTO of the company. So his main role is developing the core technology of the product. And then uh, there is me on the complete opposite, which is construction engineer, making sales with customer, understanding the industry, doing the fundraising. And there is Jonathan, the chief of operation, which is the central pillar of the company. So it's really managing both sides as, at, at the same time and managing the operation. And in fact, as I, as I call it, is, is Charles is building the product. I am selling it and I'm raising money and Jonathan's actually runs the company. <laughs> and that's that's really clear rules that we have. And I think we've been doing this since the beginning. And that's, I think, a really great way to, to set up the business, having clear rules for everybody, making sure you don't overstep on, on anyone. You're, you're, all, you're all fairly young entrepreneurs. Do you have guidance from other people? Do you have mentors or, or, or people that you kind of bounce ideas off of? That's one of the most important things because it's not everybody that knows anything everything that's not that's not true so we have a lot of mentors helping us we have mentors in sales we have mentors in finances we have mentors in marketing and human resources and that's one of the good things that we've been doing since the beginning is once we don't know something we don't try to 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 know it we ask for help and then we're not scared of asking for help because at the end we're gaining time I think, I think it's important, and, and I know we're going to talk about even more about accelerators and certainly about financing and funding because, you know, you've, you've had a ton of experience, or at least in the short life that you have, <laughs> and looking forward to you sharing part of that as well. William St. Pierre of Mechasis with us on Today's Entrepreneur, and a little bit later, Ernie Furt on taxes and the construction industry. That's all on the way on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you, presented by Fuller Landau, FL Montreal. And this evening, we're chatting with William St. Pierre of Mechasis. Uh, they make a laser projection system for the construction industry, uses AI. Uh, three very young co-founders uh, out of uh, ETS, the École de Technologie Supérieure, here in downtown Montreal, and uh, started a business. Really cool story. William, uh, t- just take us back a little bit um, to the origin story and how you guys got the attention of some uh, some big tech players here in Montreal, including some incubators that you're a part of. Yeah. Uh, so at the beginning, for first-time founders, I think you need some kind of help and finding those kind of help. So usually accelerators are a really, really great way to, to, to find those experienced mentors, people that have built uh, successful startups that made like $100 million exits. And that really helps out in making your first structure in the company, focusing on customer and focusing on product. And so so we've been onboarding with Santec in the acceleration program at the beginning. And that's where we've made the pivot. Because the, the one question that we had from our mentor was, where is the customer check? <laughs> so we needed to have an answer for this. So that pushed you how to get out of the building and talk to customers. And then we now we're in the propulsion program, almost at the end. Uh, so it's really different challenges. It's really like starting to build your company once you start having more than 10 employees. Can you describe Centec? Like, what is, what is the experience in living in this kind of living, breathing incubator accelerator? Yeah, so Centec is really having two different programs, and the vibe is kind of different in those two different programs. Now, it's in, it's in the old Dow Planetarium, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the first program is three months, and there's like 30 companies, and it's really a challenge of where who's going to be the best and who's going to ve- deliver the best metrics and who's going to get into the propulsion program. And then you get to pitch in front of the uh, mentors and uh, all of the advisory bo- uh, the, the board of, of directors of Centec to go into propulsion program. And then once you get in, that's really where it gets started. That's really where once you need to start to do your payrolls, you need to start your business, actually. And this is a really different kind of, 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 of vibe, I would say. So there's different kind of entrepreneurs, but there's not that much competition. Now it's mostly like international competition because you need to compete against your real competitors. So it's really a collaborative way of asking help to other customers, uh, to other uh, entrepreneurs as well because everybody is struggling with the same problems everybody is doing uh technology products so collaboration is really really great and you have access to mentors as well throughout the, the journey do you have to pay for any of these services is there a rent is there a certain expenses or is it uh is it so rent? it is free but definitely there's rents for for the office which are really cheap uh, so nothing compared to what's in downtown Montreal. So this is definitely w- one of the things that are great for reducing to the maximum your administrative costs at the beginning. And you want to deploy that capital into your product. Now, off air, we were talking about different ways to get funding. And, and I think you mentioned in, in your own mind, there's four funding ways. Can you describe them? Yeah, uh, so it's 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 pretty straightforward. I mean, there's four different ways of getting money into your business. Uh, the first is, and the most important, is sales. Definitely, like sales is the priority number one. But then there's different ways of getting money into your business. There's first the uh, subsidies, tax credit, and grants. I would call it like that. So mostly, like we call it an entrepreneur, like free money. And then as well, there is the... You still have to work for it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a lot of work, uh, but it's equity free. And so... 
this and then there is the loans that's that are strategic as well and there's uh equity from from venture capitalists or angel investors uh so you need to manage all of this together and there's not one clear solution uh so you need to manage with all of them uh together but definitely sales is the priority number one when you were pitching to the venture capitalists or or, or equity private equity or the people that the investors angel investors how did you pitch or how did you learn to pitch? And is there anything you can kind of share with, with our listeners that kind of a do or a don't when pitching? Yeah. First is be you. Uh, I think that that would be really great because... Be me. Be, be Josh or be Dan? <laughs> be yourself. Right. Uh, be yourself and don't try to bullshit someone or, or anything because that's something which is really important and that people will actually smell it. People will know it. People will feel it. So... Uh, so be yourself, have have a clear business model, have a clear direction and have a vision as well. And I mean, in, in terms of raising capital in, in, in venture capitalists, you have two ways of doing this. Uh, I'm really systematic, <laughs> but uh, there is, it's the engineer. In yeah, <laughs> the first way is traditional way so that you don't know anybody in, in the industry, in the venture capitalist industry. So you, you send your pitch deck to everybody and then you, you actually you go fishing. And that's usually first time founders on the first round of capital. That's how they do. That's how I've done. And uh, but the second then the second version is way much more efficient is relationship based. So you get to know a person, you get to know them personally, and then you talk business. And that's really more simple at the end and building relationship. Advice for for young people navigating the system, especially when it comes to investors. How do you what advice would you say in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that you remain true to your vision and, and not taken advantage of? Um, I mean, if you're lying on your business model, people will know it and, and, and you will know it as well. And it will, it will impact your confidence as, as an entrepreneur. So I'm trying, as an entrepreneur, I'm trying to be really transparent, making sure that everybody understands the same goal within the company, people from the external of the company. So as an advice to people, I would say first be confident, uh, because as, as, especially as a CEO, how, how people see yourself is just like if you'd be riding a lion, okay? But how you see yourself on, in your entire skin, it's actually you're doing rodeo, rodeo on, 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 on that lion, so you control nothing. But you need to seem in control, and you need to be able to, to, to help people out, even if you don't know those answers, and that's where mentors comes in. Uh, but it's, 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 it's a complicated path. There's not one answer, unfortunately, but... Be you and and be confident. You you, keep, you mentioned people several times. Let's talk human resources. How many people are you in your in your company today? Right right now we're fifteen persons. So what what does work for you from from a culture standpoint? Uh, how do you keep people engaged? What do you you know? How do you attract them? How do you how do you find them? Like tell me about kind of what what works for you from the human resource side. Yeah, um, it's it's. Human resources is your company, like people is your company. So that should be priority number one for every CEO or every entrepreneurs, because without people, you do nothing. And most of the, most of the time, once you're a, a young startup, you don't have that much capital to pay people like $100,000, $200,000. Uh, so you need to be effective. First, you need to share that vision that you have, and you need to, to trust the people you're with to go toward that vision. And uh, so that will first really help you out. And people that you have, the, the, the trust that you have from the people, then you can help them. And, 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 and putting some 
I would say oil on the fire to be able to 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 push them. And this this tool to do this is uh, stock options. Stock mm-hmm. options are a really great way to to share parts of shares of your company, making sure that everybody is an entrepreneur within your company and then can grow together. And certainly as a startup that you can't afford hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for employees, it's another incentive. Now, do you give it to anybody, everybody or are you chosen really more the key personnel? Yeah, usually it's uh, usually the, the 10 first persons, they will have equity within a company. It really depends on their role. If it's an intern, uh, I, I, w- I would not go that way. If it's a part-time person, I would not go that way. It's really for full-time persons. And then once you move up to, to more than 10, you go on specific roles, like mostly managers, people that will make you higher valuation afterwards. I'm going to switch gears for a bit. And just, just before we, we end this this segment, uh, I want to talk to your three partners today, uh, shareholders agreement. And we, we sometimes don't, you know, we've spoken about this before, Dan, but shareholders agreement can be a really important tool. As young entrepreneurs, I mean, you're so gung-ho about starting your business, but did you understand with the mentors around you that shareholders agreement was important and did you ha- do you have one? Yes. <laughs> did it help you? Does it help you? Yeah, it really helped us out. It's useless sitting on the side or? No. At the founding of the company, we've made a shareholders agreement and it was really effective for us because at the beginning we were four founders and it was really clear that we've set all, all of the specs and all of the the rules of the company together to making sure that rules were fair for everyone. And uh, once we've done our pivot, one of the co-founders left of the company because it was not within its value, which is fair, which is really okay. And then, uh, so he, he, he got body shares and we bought body shares and everything was really simple. So we didn't have any problems at all. So yes, shareholders agreement is definitely a key aspect and, and, and the best time to do it is the earliest. When everybody's still happy and talking to each other. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks very much, uh, William. William St. Pierre of Mechasis will have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up. And next, Ernie Furt talks about taxes and the construction industry. Lots of tips to be had there. So that is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring story. Business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal. And uh, William St. Pierre is here from Mechasis. They are a laser projection system for the construction industry. And let's talk construction now with Ernie Furt, a tax partner at FL on uh, on tax stuff related to that industry. Ernie, welcome back. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy, 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 New New Year. Year. happy New Year. Well, happy Chinese New Year. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. Kung Fat Choi. Lots of tax breaks, Josh. Lots of uh, in- well, great I, incentives. I, and I, I think, you know, there, there's so much, you know, when we talk uh, tax and construction, there's definitely many aspects, whether it's sales tax, whether it's deduction source and employee and payroll stuff, whether it's tax credits left, right, and center. There's so many aspects. So we're only going to hit a few of these, I'm sure, just a, a small portion of it. And, and Ernie, maybe we can start on the payroll side, the deduction source side. You know, not to give a bad rap to the construction industry, there's a lot of independent workers out there and, you know, companies that, that you know, you have to invoice, there's GST numbers that go with it. But when you're, when you're paying an individual, it's one thing when you're paying a company, you know, that's relatively simple. But with a lot of independent construction workers, what should entrepreneurs or, or businesses kind of look out for, be wary of, or maybe insist on when they're paying an independent contractor? Well, they have to insist on getting a business number. 
and and or a social insurance number from the individual because they want to make sure that they can issue the, the the right receipt to them. And if you're issuing receipts to contractors in the construction industry, it's an, it's not a T4A like a lot of people think on the federal side. It's a T5018. And that includes GST, believe it or not, on that form. So you, anybody who's seeing any T5018s as accountants out there, make sure you back out the GST before you do that tax return. And the T, and on the Quebec side, you still have a, you know, you have your relevé one. Uh, so you need all the ID numbers on there. So once you get the ID numbers, you can check them out and ensure that those ID numbers are valid. If you get a business number, you can check out the business number on the CRA website and the MRQ website. And if you get a social insurance number, you can also check it out. There's a formula on how a social insurance number is to see if it's legitimate. Obviously, if you see a card, chances are it's going to be legitimate. No question. I guess there's also, I mean, there's other reporting, you know, when if you're reporting your, your labor, if you have a rental property, you know, you have that as well, correct? Well, yeah, there's a, depending on what you do, you know, for, for personal income tax returns, and even for corporate tax returns, there's a form, I believe it's called a TP-1086, if memory serves. Yep. And, and on that form, you're supposed to list out the subcontractors that you use, the, their GST numbers, their registration numbers, and uh, how much you paid them, etc. So government really hasn't started asking, sorry, for these forms yet. Uh, they've been around forever. A lot of people complete them. You probably, you should complete them. But at the end of the day, a lot of people don't complete them because they don't have the information necessary to complete them 100%. So, so you really need to be vigilant and collect your data because you never know when government's going to come knocking at the door. Yeah, they're going to knock and they're going to ask for all kinds of information. They're going to ask for backup, invoices, uh, you know, construction, you know, in certain instances has been problematic. So they want to ensure that people who are employed in the construction industry are either employed and getting a, a T4 or self-employed and getting proper uh, proper pay, uh, payments. I have to ask this. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, you know, whether whether it's for commercial or residential. Um, give me a couple of incentives or subsidy programs, maybe that people don't know about uh, that are in in the construction space. There are a lot of goodies out there that are available. Well, the good the, 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 there's less and less of these goodies. You know, be, be, before we had home renovation credits. The home mm. renovation credits are kind of gone. I wish they would come back. That was, uh, I think, it was a great incentive actually for uh, for Quebec business. The federal government had one a few years back. Uh, that is gone. Um, and I don't really know too many more uh, of these uh, uh, of these programs that are available out there. Um, construction is booming here in the city. So maybe they're looking at it and saying, well, we really don't need incentivization for, mm. for the construction industry. So nothing for like, I guess they used to have the solar panel situation and none of that going on? No. Okay. No, well, they had the, the Renovair mm -hmm. uh, credit. credit. Yeah. Again, that was, you know, whether it was on the personal return or otherwise, they, they did have some of this stuff. Uh, you know, William might see it eventually as, as his business grows and, and what else is out there. Um, but yeah, the, I, I'm, I'm sh and there's programs that, are, there's, that definitely there's come There's programs for, for doing solar, but the, you know, if you're doing solar at the, at the business level and creating solar homes, there's some programs there. There's insulation programs. There's all kinds of those programs, but they're not like, wow, programs, mm -hmm. like, uh, like something that, that, that every is. listener <laughs> could use, okay. you know? Now let, let's, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. We talked a little about payroll. Let's talk about. The, 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 the part that the topic that everybody loves so much, sales tax, GST, QST, as it relates to construction. What's the, the kind of the first few things that come to mind for you? 
first few things <laughs> that you're allowed to say on air. I mean, <laughs> I could say anything on air. It's just that that's why there's a five second delay. I believe we're seven. <laughs> Not sure, but uh, at, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you get a bill for the services that you rendered. Uh, and, and there's a lot of not reputable people out there who give you a bill, but it's uh, you know effectively written on, uh, on the on the back of a paper napkin, and they don't indicate their GST number on there or their QST number. That has to be there if they're charging you GST QST. And you can validate those. And as you well. can validate those easily enough on the uh, on on the two websites. I would start with Quebec first because Quebec will actually give you the name, while the federal government does not. You have to get that name accurate 100, or else you're starting again. So start on the Quebec side, go through the federal side, you'll validate the number, make sure they're charging you the, the, the right amount. It's goods and services tax, applies on everything. Uh, I'm not registered, you know, the chances are it's possible. Then the guy doesn't uh, doesn't make $30,000 a year or make sales of $30,000 a year. Speaking of 30000 whose responsibility, if you, if you engage somebody uh, and they're, you know, they did work for a month and they charge you $28,000, they did not charge you GST, you know, but you have a pretty good idea that they're going to go over at some point. It's not up to you. Who's whose responsibility? It's is their it? responsibility. It's it's the contractor's responsibility. However, if I if I'm going to see that the contractor for me is going to go over thirty thirty thousand dollars, I will tell the contractor, listen, you should register, or uh, we're going to have trouble using you because sometimes the Quebec government has long arms. And they'll say, well, you, you gave the guy $90,000 in payments as an independent subcontract, but you didn't pay him any GST. You know that the limit, that, that, that the minimum is 30 grand. So therefore, you know, we're going to hold you uh, in the same light uh, as the contractor, which is not really fair, but they do that all the time. They, 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 they do it in the clothing industry. And they've done it in the clothing industry, which with certain forms that have to be filed on a monthly basis in the clothing industry, and they're holding contractors liable for 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 people who they engage. So you got to be very and then careful. You can't necessarily claim it back at that point. And you can't claim it back if uh, if there's nothing there to claim. So you got to have something to claim. Uh, it has to be bonafide. The invoice. See, this this is an issue that uh, people go onto a construction contract. And what they don't do is they don't read the name on the invoice. A lot of companies seem to like to repeat names. You know, John Smith Holdings, John Smith Construction. You know, you know John uh, John Smith whatever trucking. Uh, everything is John Smith. So the suppliers just have a tendency of just writing John Smith. Be careful because the government will look at this, and if the bill is for John Smith Construction, it better be claimed in John Smith Construction. If it's for John Smith Trucking. It better be claimed there. Name name is definitely important. Uh, Apologies to Mr. Smith. Yeah. Yes. John, thank, <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you, Ernie. Uh, I, I know it's just the, the tip of the iceberg, but thank you very much for that. And as we approach the last moment of our program, as we do each week, we'll turn to William St. Pierre of Mechasis, one of the one of the founders, and ask you, William, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I think my one piece of advice would be for entrepreneurs, all kind of entrepreneurs, to not think small. Uh, the world is actually reachable and, and we need more great companies as Cirque du Soleil, for example, or great companies like that. And I think in Quebec, we've got really awesome resources and we need to use them, especially for research and development innovation. And that, that will come in. There's more and more companies that are being built. Uh, so, so think big.
yeah, that's my piece of advice. Thanks very much, William. Uh, Dan, my takeaway, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm repetitive a little bit on this, but I love entrepreneurs that understand when they need to reinvent themselves. And William and his partners that reinvented themselves after six after a short six months of starting out, I think that was very brave and uh, and ultimately brilliant. So thanks very much for that. Hey, it's lasers. Very cool. William, congratulations. <laughs> William St. Pierre of Mechasis uh, and Ernie Furt, thanks very much as well uh, for your advice. And Josh, next week should be cool. We're going to talk to uh, the owner of one of what's regarded as one of the best sushi restaurants in the city, Junie. It's going to be a tasty, uh, tasty show. See you next Monday at 7. Today's Entrepreneur on CJ80 and todaysentrepreneur.org for 10 years worth of entrepreneur profiles right there. Good night. The opinions expressed in the preceding program were provided for general information purposes only and should not be construed as advice from CJAD 800 or Bell Media. The preceding was sponsored content.